This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. We actually might have to change that liner because there was that guy in the YouTube comment yeah. section last week that said that we've been wrong on literally everything. So we, we might have to get the big voice guy to uh to make something happen there that these two guys have been wrong about literally everything since they started doing this podcast and still have a better track record than tim Connolly, is wow. what they would say wow. is what they would wow. say is this what they would gonna... say or they oh no no is what they would say i saw tim last night uh spirit we'll get into it spirits are spirits are calm um but yeah that guy did kind of break the show on us being like i i thought i was doing really well and then he's like actually you got this wrong this wrong and this wrong it's like damn Okay. Did okay. Did he do any media, or was he just kind of floating around? Because you were just to, uh, the Wolves played a back to back in Portland. Kyle, you live in Portland, so you were in the arena, yep. and we'll get a, a lot of your thoughts on just the general vibe of this this weird basketball team. Did he do any media, or was he just kind of floating around? No, and you know, again, a little how the sausage is made, kind of behind the scenes stuff. Um, like you know, we're behind the the arena, like we're in the tunnels, we're talking to people and stuff. So he he had come in. He was at the game on on Monday. Uh, Dell Demps, who is a member of their front office, was was at all the games. He travels with the team a lot. Um, you know, I know we like to make fun of all the picks they don't have, but that doesn't mean that these teams don't send all these guys to different locations to scout and to do all these things. Um, but yeah, no, Tim was there. No, no, no media stuff. You get to kind of chop it up a little bit. It's always just kind of like off the record stuff, but. Does he um, look guilty? Does he walk around in <laughs> shame? That's what I want to know. He is really- he hanging his head trying to avoid eye contact because of just the implosion that he has caused here. He has great shoes. Uh, like he just, <laughs> I think he might be kind of a sneakerhead. Um, which again, if you essentially own part of the Timberwolves, it's probably not hard to get ac- access to some good shoes. But uh, no, really, truly, I chopped it up with him a little bit. Um, he, as we get into this too, like the the vibe from this team. Clearly, I was there on Saturday. They had just had their statement win against the Jazz. Um, Rudy's return. Then they kind of dropped two to Portland. It's frustrating. People listening to this are ready to, you know, just burn down Target Center. Uh, it is so frustrating, and it's extra frustrating because it's not fun. They're not a fun team right now. They are so average. There's some stats we can get into where they are just the 15th or 16th best team in the league, and it's like where you don't yeah. want to be. Dude, but, actually, um, actually, Dane posted one of them. He had – it was like offensive net rating, defensive, and then overall net rating before Cat injury and after, and it was like the same, just 13th, 17th. <laughs> Timberwolves, Timberwolves with Cat, 21 games, offensive rating 19th, defensive rating 14th, net rating 18th. Timberwolves without Cat, six games, offensive rating 19th, the same, <laughs> defensive rating 13th, pretty much the same, net rating 17th, the same. The so same. Yeah. they are just, we're not in really small sample. I mean, it's only been six games without Carl, but we're not really in small sample size anymore because we are starting to get to the second quarter of the season. But everywhere you look, it's just like this team is just average. And that's better than being like a bottom feeder, right? You're not the Rockets, you're not the Magic, you're not the Hornets, but um, it can be even worse sometimes when your team is just kind of like 
not going forward, not going backwards is just kind of, you know, like Ant did that one game, just standing still, doing nothing. That's kind of where the Wolves are at. But, you know, to give you a little bit, like the vibes at 13 and 14 are just, you know, frustrated, talking to guys in the locker room and stuff. But it's not – um the, the coolest thing I learned this weekend, Phil, was just I'm way more pissed off than they are, right? Like we're all way more – mad every loss is that hurts. good or bad i don't i don't know i'm kind of again this is therapeutic i'm just kind of spewing it out now but uh the, the every loss that we encounter we get even more madder because it's like oh, we don't have no future like we have no picks and some of that is accurate um but they're just they still think they're a team that needs to figure it out um for all the things that haven't started well i mean like the delo stuff has been really promising rudy has like i think i saw rudy has four 20 rebound games this season. And the next closest person in the league has one. Yeah. Um. So, th- so there are good things to hang your hat on, but then you kind of run into, and maybe we'll get into this. Like now you're starting to run into a lack of talent without Carl, without Torian Prince, without Jordan McLaughlin. And you're also running into a situation that is really scary. It's like a math problem. Like you're just, you're coming to a fight with knives and your opponent has guns. And it's like, Oh, that's not great. So, um, yeah, they were pretty much outdueled from three last night by Damian Lillard himself. And that's that's probably one of the more concerning things. It's like this team has regressed from a volume three-point shooting team to a little more, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust type yeah. running game. And I definitely want to get into the math problem. I have a little thing to throw at you regarding the math problem. So there's And last night was just like the absolute brightest mm-hmm. illustration of mm-hmm. that math problem. But you referenced D'Lo, and, and D'Lo has been a lot better in the last, like, 8 to 10 games than he was to start the season. He said last night, I'm sure you were there for this, we're still figuring it out. I think we're way better than our record. We're still just learning how to start, finish, adversity. We're still learning all those things from our team. So the longer the season, the better for us. I mean, it is 82 games, and you still have way more than half the season. But it just, I guess, just back to sort of the vibes it's interesting to me that fans seem more pissed off. Do they, let me ask you this. Do they seem not pissed off because they're just resigned to like, oh, we don't really care that much? Or is it, we're not panicking because we know this is going to turn around at some point? Um, That's a, that's a great question. I, I, I one of the few times I just want to really stress, like not really a journalist here, just a dude that they let in the <laughs> locker room and it does a podcast a couple of times. Um, <laughs> So, so, so a heavy, that, whatever he's about to say <laughs> should be taken with taken with a block of salt here. Basically, so it's not. Um, it, so, again, a, a game finishes and you go back into a locker room and you, you get to talk to the head coach. That always happens. And then they open up the locker room and you go into the locker room and you get to talk to two or three guys. That's kind of how the sausage is made a little bit. Um, so like last night, it was D'Lo and Jalen and stuff and Kyle Anderson. It's not that they're resigned or like, Oh, same old Timberwolves or, and this is the one thing I do want to stress. It's not that they don't care, but like Kyle Anderson, for example, or even D'Lo who is a vet who, you know, 26, but he's been in the league forever. It's more just like, I asked Jalen Noel strip. I was like, is that the type of game when you just, a guy gets so hot from like Lillard, he almost broke the three point record that you like grind extra film or you just kind of, you know, scrap it and say, Hey, a dude got hot. Let's move forward. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, we're going to watch extra film tomorrow. Like we're going to really like, cause you know, sometimes you just get blown out and that's one of the classic, Oh, coach threw the tape away and we're just going to move forward. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Kyle Anderson had a, a really awesome quote that I will kind of want to tattoo on my face about the Timberwolves. But he said, uh, something I've learned in the league is that when you're going through hell, keep going. Uh, and it was a cool quote. Um, 
kind of kind of pessimistic uh, to consider 27 games in being hell. But um, I just he goes through hell more slowly than some of his other teammates, though. That's the <laughs> yeah. yeah, he goes through. He goes in Feels first. Feels the burn a little bit hell. more. Yeah. He can't sprint through it. So no, it, it's not that they don't care. It's not that they're just cash and checks. It just I think that's the NBA mentality, and that was the coolest thing I learned in the last 72 hours ever. It's just what we see on Twitter, how we feel, what we talk about is can be accurate, but they're a little isolated from that and insulated in terms of they can't be. They do have to subscribe to Delo's mentality of never too high, never too low. Because if you last night was a the Monday loss was a low point, you just got spanked again on the road by one man. Um, and if you allow yourself to get really too low, it, it just kind of messes everything up. So it hasn't been great. It was borderline brutal basketball to watch for a couple of games. Um, I wish I would have done something else with my time, but. They just, you know, you regroup, you get into L.A. last night, you watch extra film today, as Jalen said, you keep going through hell, as Kyle said. And then to Delo's point, you have to have a level of confidence, even those none of those guys in that locker room care about the picks. It's kind of my point. None of those guys are worried about the 2029 pick swap. They don't even know about it. They're just focused on what can we do as a unit to try to figure this thing out? Will it happen? I don't know. But that was my reporting. By the way, uh. Josh Minot had a steal last night. I just want people to know that the cupboards aren't totally bare, okay? Josh Minot had a steal last night. I will say time. that we we basically led the charge to get Luca Garza freed. He played. And then I was like, I've turned all my attention last week to Josh Minot. Uh, so when I wanted to see him play, I didn't mean like that in a game where it was mop-up <laughs> duty three yeah. minutes into the third quarter. But, uh, yeah, they basically played the Iowa G or the Iowa Wolves last night for the last seven minutes. So that was kind of tough, but – for sickos like me, I had fun. Matt Ryan, by the way, I watched like an hour of Matt Ryan shoot this weekend, like in shoot around and in the mornings and stuff. He's phenomenal. He, Phil, to quick pivot, like Matt Ryan is such a great example of a guy who can barely stick on an NBA roster, is on a two-way, you know, can he's one foot out the door to be on the Shanghai Sharks, and he would still cook everybody at LA Fitness. Like he would drop 70 in your in your local rec league. Like that's just the talent level of when one of your buddies is like drunk yeah. and it's like, oh, I could get three baskets in the NBA. It's like, no, <laughs> no but you dude. can't because Matt Ryan <laughs> would tie you up and he would hit just 10 threes in your face. So, yeah, no, that's yeah, that's definitely not going to happen. Um, what if, what would you say you have learned? What How many games? It's been six games, six full games since Carl Anthony Towns went down and uh, the Wolves are three and three. They were three and one in their first four games. If we would have done this podcast after the Utah win, I think it would have been, for me anyways, it would have been uh, tinted with a little bit more. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yep. But 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 on the on the flip side, um, they've lost these last two against Portland. It's not just Dame getting hot. There's also other things that are broken here. So just in general, what have you learned about the Timberwolves or some of the players in the six games since Cat has gone down? Because I think that's the biggest opportunity here is okay. Let's 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 take him out for a second. Maybe maybe some guys much almost like when John Morant went out for Memphis. Mm-hmm. Like whether they're better or not, or it's the Ewing theory or not. Put that aside for a second. Here's a bunch of dudes that can now sort of discover who they are as players, how they mesh, and then you plug this guy back in and you make it work. So what have you learned about the Wolves and or individual players in the last six games? That. We talked about this last night with Kyle Anderson. He he really believed it's a thing. Is that no excuses for the Timberwolves? No one's trying to you know. No one feels sympathetic for their current situation. 
but it is a fact that they are without Carlton Towns, Torian Prince, and Jordan McLaughlin. Obviously, Cat starts, but when you take out those two bench guys and you take out a starter and Carl, then other guys are kind of pushed into different roles, right? Like Kyle Anderson's not going to start on this team when Cat comes back. Um, some of these guys aren't going to have the specific minutes or the specific assignments when Carl's back that they do now. So the bench, like one of the things you've noticed in the last six games, the bench is sucks <laughs> like but that's yeah. because they don't they have just two less guys to bring off the bench i mean they really are a delo has been fantastic there's no way to discredit him but when he goes off the floor they just don't have like jalen's not for all the good things jalen noel does he's not running point so not having jordan mclaughlin sucks but then you're forcing like and to do a little more jalen and these guys are just having to be forced to do things that now your benches i mean the portland bench is like one of the seven bench best benches in the league um so I think taking guys out and then having to plug them in, it just kind of hurts everyone else. It's like our discussion about could Jordan McLaughlin be a starting point guard? Probably not. He's just a really good two. Mm-hmm. But when you take out, you know, when you take him out and now Jalen has to play point, it's just the ball movement doesn't work. And it's just, it's just a mess. But also too, last night they had, they're starting five. I asked Finch about this. They had 27 rebounds in their starting five last night. Rudy Gobert had 20 of them. That's embarrassing. That's so again, I said it at the top, like Rudy has, I think, 420 rebound games. The next two since, two since Cat's one. been out, by the way. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, whatever. This is all on the court stuff with Rudy, in my opinion. But I'm talking about, like, I think he's been good. I don't like he's he's his field goal percentage is high. You know, he's getting things around the rim. He's grabbing all the rebounds. But no one else on this team wants to go rebound. Jalen or uh, Jane McDaniels played 66 minutes against the Blazers this weekend and had one total rebound. That's a guy who I was like, I'm glad they didn't give up extra. You know, they kept him instead of extra picks. But Jaden can't play 28 minutes, have two points and one rebound. No, that's where I, I almost feel like I feel like something we're learning about Jay McDaniels is he's wildly talented. Yeah, I don't know that he has figured out exactly what he's supposed to do on this team yet. And he just by nature of being Jaden McDaniels, he can sort of bounce around and he can still you know, there will be nights where he'll get you 15 or 20 points on like, you know, six shots because <laughs> right. he's efficient. And there's some nights where he's playing excellent defense, but I don't know that he shows up to the arena every night and knows, all right, tonight I'm doing these two things. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's almost like a different checklist every night for him, and he gets sort of lost. It's amazing. Ru- like you said, Rudy has more 20-rebound games, and he's among the league leaders in rebounds like he always is. But this is one of like the five worst defensive rebounding teams in the league. Yep. Why? And it's... Into the into the one more thing on the Jaden thing, like, yes, you saw the Blazers' backcourt cook all weekend, right? Like, I think they had a combined 66 on Saturday, and then Dame had 11 threes last night. Um, you can still get yours and have to work for it. Like, I thought Jaden, in his defense, made guys work for it on defense. That's a calling card of his. He is going to be in your face, and he's going to make you work. The problem is, and I noticed this last night, is that whoever's guarding Jaden on offense totally gets the night off. Because yeah. he's not really doing much. So you might be making Dame work on defense or, you know, when he's on offense and you're guarding him. But then when Dame's on defense, he was just kind of chilling with his hands on his knees in the corner because Jaden's not really cutting. He's not really active around the rim. He's not trying to get offensive rebounds. So that's one of the guys that I mean, they're not three and three since Carl went out because of Jaden McDaniels. But you would have thought that with Carl out that Jaden would have been you know, this is what we said in August. Like, you have to give them 12 and 8. There's no reason. You're the second tallest guy on the team. There's no mm-hmm. reason you can get one rebound in a game that predominantly was Josh Hart 
Anthony Simons, Damian Lillard. Like you need to just get to the rim more, get rebounds, try to, you know, maybe get some offensive rebounds as well to get extra possessions. But I thought it was a, it's a nerdy little stat, but that 20 of the 27 rebounds and like, I guess Nas had four, but really no one else had like more than two. Yeah. It's becoming a real thing now. That's like, why don't these guys gang rebound? It's a big deal because when they give up offensive rebounds, they just get cooked well again. But, but but part of it is i and again this is just my amateur you know sort of eye test i think a big problem early in the season was they're not getting back on defense enough because they're they're you got these two huge seven footers it's like you guys get back everyone needs to get back if though if the two seven footers can't get back quickly enough then the, the other three dudes for sure need to get back so it's almost like they're balancing we got to get back, get back, get back, so we don't allow transition points, or you know, so we can at least make them have to run an offensive set. Mm-hmm. But if you're just, if your instinct is to just get back, get back, get back, you're not going to grab as many offensive rebounds. Yep. Um, on the defensive side, I don't know, I don't have as easy of an explanation for that, other than they just don't have guys who are instinctually great or give the effort level needed on a nightly basis. Like who's the? I mean, Vando every single night when Jared Vanderbilt was on this team, he came to the arena and said, "Well." All right, I'm going to get hands in passing lanes. I'm mm-hmm. going to skin my knee diving on the court five different times, and I'm going to grab every possible rebound I can. I'm mm-hmm. just going to I'm going to fill all those gaps. So until someone steps up and does that, other than Gobert, um, it's going to be tough. I will say one thing I have learned in the last six games, and I don't know if it's just him getting a little healthier. He had some maybe some some knee things that were bothering him, uh, or if it's just him exploring the space more with Carl Anthony Towns. I think we've seen the full version, the peak version of Rudy more in the last six games than maybe in the first, like, 15 games. And you've seen it in the box score a couple times with the 20 rebound games. Um, if you put stock into individual plus minus, he's he's been a plus 30, even with a couple blowout losses. He's been a plus 30 over those six games when he's on the court. And on the season now, here's a fun stat for you. The Timberwolves defensively, this is the Mackie stat that you coined last week. <laughs> Here we go. So the Timberwolves have allowed among the fewest, they're like top five in allowing the fewest number of shots inside 10 feet. So they are preventing teams from taking close shots at a higher level than almost anyone in the NBA. That is the Mackie stat. That is praying mantis Rudy Gobert making you deviate from the lane or the rim to shoot something outside of 10 feet that you may or may not want to. And I think we're seeing, we're seeing some of that as well. Um, but the perimeter defense <laughs> so, has taken just as much of a nosedive on the flip side. So I didn't mean sure to laugh while you're talking, but someone from these teams travel with more luggage and more people than I can imagine. I don't know how big those Delta charters are, but uh, someone from the team came up to me on Saturday and said that they really liked us calling it Mackies. So oh, wow. there's someone people else. On the, people on the inside. People on the inside have referenced <laughs> a Mackie. But, um, but, and this person said something else to me too. And it was, you know, just kind of spitballing back and forth, having fun. But they're like, you know, JaVel McGee used to block a lot of shots. Um, and he's still, he plays for the Mavericks now. But uh, he's like, he still was a sieve defensively a lot of times. Like he, so because I see sometimes post game and like the in mentions or on Twitter, like, people being really upset that Rudy doesn't have six blocks. Like Jaron Jackson last night for the Grizzlies had eight blocks, but there are still levels to this. And that's not even being like a defender of Rudy. I, I just, this had, this is, they're so average. They're so mid that I have to start to like, look at individual players. I don't even know if we can do two, three man rotation stuff right now, but 
I really think that Rudy we can is try. Out- <laughs> I, I, I think you're right. Rudy on the court, like Rudy is kind of coming into his own again. They've scrapped some of the offensive stuff they do with him. He did even have like, last time he had like a Euro step finish. Um, he is, I mean, dude, whether you like him or not, I don't think you realize how hard 20 rebounds is. Even if you're 11 feet tall, like he is constantly battling to put himself in position. He's, he's setting really good screens. We asked Ant about that on, I think on Saturday or at shoot around, um, like, Ant's like, I'm starting to figure out this whole screen thing more. Cause I always used to think Phil, that it was just like the chemistry talk about setting screens was just like figuring out which side you want to go on. Well, there's things that Ant was saying, like D'Lo likes the, the screen to be held more or longer. Cause you know, D'Lo's a little more slow around the pick and like, kind of likes to look around and stuff. And you know how he dribbles. It's kind of so where it's Ant, like he wants to get around that Rudy pick and then go. Go, yeah. So there's just different guys. It's like that guy likes his his soup really hot, right? That guy likes his porridge a little cooler. So <laughs> I, I think this is probably the best you've seen of Rudy. Yes, it's a small sample size, six games or three and three. Um, They kind of dropped one, I thought, against Portland on that Saturday night. But he's looked really good. But to spin it all back, and I know this is what we want to talk about because I know Friday night, you might, a lot of people – started packing Carl's bags the Monday night game where Lillard just outshot the wolves from three by himself was one of those big moments where like, man, it'd be pretty nice to have the self-proclaimed best shooting big in the world. Right. Like we needed needed a guy to at least be out there to, cause they just don't really have, I mean, Nas Reed is like basically the third guy they go to now to shoot threes without Torian Prince as well. But like, they just need more offense in these games where, you know, it's going to be 130, 128. Um, and those are the moments where you miss Carl. Again, not just taking anything away from Friday because they looked like a professional team for 48 minutes and they didn't need Carl. But then, you know, the pendulum swung back the other way and they probably could have used him last night. Makes makes note to discuss the Malik Beasley <laughs> fiasco at the end of that game. We'll come back. Put a pin oh, in that. Oh, yes, we'll yes. I, want, I don't want we'll to miss it. We'll, we'll come back to that. Let's talk about this math problem that you that you bring up here. And and I will say that for for those of because there is a section of Wolves fans and I have had one if not both feet in this section before that would just pack Carl Anthony Towns bags for any number of reasons and say goodbye. To defend that group of people for a second, nobody on the planet is saying that you should pack his bags or would pack his bags and get no bags back. Right. Yep. Yep. So That's- if you were to ever pack his bags, you'd probably get some other bags back that could shoot some threes and help alleviate the loss of a three point shooter. Yep. So I, I just want to make that clear. And I'm not, I want to, I want to see what these guys look like without him to sort of simplify some roles. And then I want to see what happens when you layer him back in. And then we can have a full conversation in the summer about like what actually should happen. But if they do wind up deciding to move on from towns, it is not just an extraction of towns. It's an extraction of towns and an addition of assets that could help whatever yep. nucleus you have left. It, it's so, pretty much like, it's not just they're better without Carl, you know, send him to LaGuardia or whatever. And then just this, this, it's like you would be mixing in essentially if you just did a Carl for the Rudy trade, like you'd mix in your shooter, right? You'd get Malik Beasley or something, right? And you'd go find an energy guy like, like Bando, Vando, yeah, right? Like, so basically you just trade Carl to Utah. So, and then you'd get a couple of picks. So I'm, I'm with you on that. It's just in this current iteration, you know, my, my, my biggest take in on December 13th right now is, is this might just be a 500 ball club. That's going to be, this is the experiment. And that is actually the thing I'm most excited about. I want to watch one or two more weeks of a Rudy by himself center kind of rotation with guards and see if they can bring the energy a little more. And then once these guys, I said it on last week, 
everyone starts to have a role now, right? D'Angelo Russell is just not the point guard, really. He is just a off-ball guard who is scoring. I mean, he's like, I think he's leading the league in like mid-range percentage. Like he's like, yeah. and he's getting to the rim more. He's been great. And has been low-key making a leap if you really look at his stats, Rudy as well. But now I'm really excited to throw Carl back in because it's either going to be like, okay, everyone else figured out their role and now Carl's going to plug all these holes or it's going to look like the first 15 games of the season. And then you're going to know exactly at that point, someone has to go. Yep. And so part of this is solving the math problem. And Carl helps with this. So last night, the Blazers made 21 threes. And that, by the way, was them throttling down for the entire fourth quarter. Like, or it would be throttling down, slowing down, I guess. Throttling okay. up. Throttling up? Throttling, throttling up. If you're going to slow down, you're going to throttle up. Yeah, throttled yeah, yeah, down yeah. will be Shit. going fast. So they throttled up. Yep. Because Dame had didn't Dame have like a like a leg injury kind of he felt like a twinge or something. Mm-hmm. He and the, he's a he's a pride guy. Like I think there's teams in the league that would have put him back in, and he would have tried to hunt for Clay's 14 threes record. Yes. Um, and he was pretty mature. He spoke after the game too. He's like, I'm not. I want to. I want to break the three point record the right way. So he's a good guy, but yeah, he, he could have given him, we had them bagged in the third quarter. I'm not going to come back out <laughs> yeah, there. And yeah. I wasn't going to break the record threes. against Luca Garza. <laughs> uh, so they made 21 threes. The wolves attempted 27. So last night, and this isn't going to happen every night, but I have the math on that too. So the blazers had 62 points. I'm sorry. Uh, 63 points from three. The wolves had 20 points from three. Cause they made 10. 10 of 27. It's not like a terrible night. Uh, a 42-point gap in three-point makes just basically going into the game, right? I mean, the game played out the way that it played out, but how are you going to make up for a 42-point gap in a game like that? And the answer might be, if if a team gets that hot from three, how many times are you beating a team that hits 21 threes? Or, right. or, or one guy hits 11th the first three quarters? Yep. Um, now, so it's not always just like, well, uh, we got unlucky. There are ways that you can defend those shots better than the Wolves have. But uh, let, but let's zoom it back out to just like a normal game on the season. Because you're not – last night was kind of an anomaly. You, I could listen to in a vacuum, well, one guy hit 11 threes in the first three quarters. You're, no, especially on the road, you're not going to win that game. Okay, but what does the season look like? So the Wolves make 11 threes per game on average at a low percentage. So it's only 11 threes, and it's like bottom third of the league in terms of three-point make percentage. So they're eating up more shots to get their 11 threes, which is near the bottom of the league. Opponents are making 14 threes per game against the Wolves at a higher, like a top five percentage shooting rate. So they're starting the game with a nine-point gap in three points, uh, makes bef- you know basically before the whistle even blows, and a less efficient rate. So how are you going to make up for that gap? Okay, well maybe you're going to grab more rebounds and clean up the glass. Well that hasn't been the case. Uh, they have been one of the most efficient two point scoring teams in the NBA, but not enough to make up for the gap in three point offense deficiency, three point defense deficiency. Uh, and they're not exactly like showing signs of playing great perimeter defense to slow opponents to this point anyway. So it's just a, it's if you're going to start the game being that worse than your opponent shooting threes and say, all right, every night we need to find like nine to 15 points on average elsewhere. Think about how much better you have to be in the paint or yep. in transition or getting extra possessions via offensive rebounds or free throw, getting to the free throw lane, right? 
and they're not great enough in those other areas collectively to make up for it. And that's why they're below 500 right now. I mean, hell, I think they only had 10 turnovers last night. I think it might have been the lowest mark of the season. And they and got, you got beat. You got beat by 19 points. We, uh, I did, I did a pod yesterday with with Chris Hine and, and Dane, and we, uh, one of the things we just kind of looked at all the splits since Carl was out, um, and then the three point frequency thing, like you said, they were 12th in the league in frequency, and then when Carl was out, they're 24th. Um, again, that also there's some hidden noise in there that there's no Torian Prince as well, because we actually asked Finch about it Saturday night. We're like, hey, again, the knife to a gunfight thing, you know what's going on, and he was like, well, you know, we're missing 11 attempts a game. <laughs> from yeah. two guys. So that's a thing. But another to kind of build on your stat, you talked about two point percentage. Uh, the Wolves outscored Portland last night, 60 to 48 points in the paint, sixth consecutive game that they've outscored their opponent in the paint. All six of those games are without Carl, but you're three and three. Um, so again, anytime I can just take whatever we're talking about and spin it into football, uh, it, you really, it's just, they're like a running team. They really are. They're just a team that runs the ball a little more and yeah. In a league where it does seem like you can't really win or become elite without throwing. Uh, and that's going to be, again, that's that's the thing you're excited about is like, do enough of these guys now have the confidence? Like, D, I mean, D'Lo, they lost, but he is at peak confidence right now. And he's playing really well. He's doing everything you want. If they plug these guys back into the, into the you know, the charger and everyone else kind of feels more comfortable, can it take off then? Because if not, then again, that goes back to something major has to happen. But to your point, this is not an efficient team in terms of like super high basketball IQ, like the Warriors or something or the Celtics. Like they're just chopping their margins down in such a way that you kind of have to play perfect basketball. And they did on Friday. They played perfect basketball against the Jazz, in my opinion, for 48 minutes. And that's why they just kind of took all the punches and then just put them to bed. Um, But then on, on Saturday... Second game of a back-to-back, I thought they played 42 good minutes. And because they don't have any of these advantages of just winning shootouts, they lost the game. Yeah. We're going to talk about, speaking of that Jazz game, we're going to get to flagrant or no. But in just a second here, we're going to talk about one of the dumbest things I've ever seen complained about in a basketball game. I wish we would have just recorded live Friday night when the vibes were high. (laughs) And I was as people probably know on Twitter, very drunk. But uh, just let, so let, let it out. Let it out. We're, we're going to get there in a second. I do want to shout out a couple of our friends here. Uh, number one, Federated Insurance, Federated Mutual Insurance mm-hmm. Company, official partner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, helping keep the lights on here at Score North and thus flagrant howls uh, on a regular basis. So they're all about, it's like having a, a great rim protector for your business. When the waters can get a little choppy sometimes in business, it's nice to have that guiding hand, that uh, that protection in the paint, if you will, roaming around with 100-plus years of experience based in Owatonna. They are one of us, so to speak, and you can find them online at federatedinsurance.com where it's our business to protect yours. Also, uh, St. Thomas Men's Basketball, now Division One St. Thomas Men's Basketball as of last year. They have a holiday flash sale going on right now. You can watch the Tommies, who are one of the top shooting teams in the country, I might add. $5 tickets to see... The Tommies battle, uh, if you're listening on this Tuesday, actually tonight they're playing Wisconsin Green Bay. You can Ooh. find that game on 1500 ESPN. Uh, go to TommySports.com to buy your $5 tickets or just uh, go to the ticket office on game day and watch uh, one of the best three-point shooting teams in college basketball. So there you go. Shout out to Tommies. Go Tommies. Roll Toms. I almost went to St. Thomas. I was like committed to go play some baseball at St. Thomas when I was coming out of high school and 
go to St. Thomas, and then I took a tour of the University of Minnesota campus, stood on one of like the Silver Bridge, and looked at the skyline. Oh yeah, I was like oh my god, this is badass. I think and I figured I, out what college I was going to go to like six days into August. I was like, I should probably go to college, and then I just <laughs> was like, I'll just go to the one in my hometown so I can live in my parents' basement. So, but shout out which, to the Tommies. Where'd you go? You go into I went to University of North Dakota, Fighting Sioux. Now they're the gotcha. Fighting Hawks. But um, I actually, this is another thing, like. I you, we show up to the arena at like four thirty on a game day. I really do love covering games. I'm think you know shout out to the Wolves PR for letting me go there. But uh, some things I saw this weekend: Terry Porter was in the house, oh. um, former Timberwolves assistant, former Timberwolves guard. He used to coach Portland State, I think, or maybe it was Portland. Um, he was a basketball coach, and then he got let go. But he was on in attendance. Saw an Alexi Schved jersey. Wow. Uh, tried to um buy it from the person. Uh, they they weren't interested. Um, was yeah, it just, actually Alexi Shved? Was it? It might have been saying? actually. It might. <laughs> he probably was. Would have been the Wolves' seventh best player on Saturday. Um, and then I also saw someone who had a University of North Dakota sweatshirt, and I like basically he was like sitting in the stands, got there really early, and I like ran up and like hugged him. He didn't know who I was. So, <laughs> but shout out to that guy because I I never see Sioux fans around. So shout out to the Sioux. Shout out to the Tommies. Love it. Yeah, uh, Terry Porter, one of my favorites under the radar Timberwolves contributors from the '90s. He was like a big leader in the early part of KG's career like in the mid to late 90s and then obviously was a part he was a part of the uh, the nba finals blazers that got beat i think in six games by that was the second of the uh, jordan first three-peat clyde drexler terry yep. porter and a bunch of other dudes so. yeah i thought i read i read somewhere that so this was on wikipedia a uh, good source for information but porter signed as a free agent with the wolves and part of the 95 96 season yeah. and helped the wolves clinched their first ever playoff berth in 96 97 yep. and first winning season the following year so maybe forgotten by younger fans i know it was 20 some years ago but uh yeah he was like one of the architects of the first good ish timberwolves team yes he was one of the he was like like the torian print he was like the veteran guy who's kind of been around he was better better player than that he was actually a pretty big time scorer but um okay the end of that jazz game so this is, a, this is the only reason I wanted to record today. I need your like, opinion. What is so? I know it's Malik. Malik Beasley doesn't exactly show the best judgment historically. You know, <laughs> didn't he like pull a gun on a parade of homes observer van or something, dude? Just calm down, and then uh, spent a summer in uh, in the clinker. But the Wolves have won the game. The clock is ticking down. Mathematically, the game is over, and the Jazz decide to full court press, double team, try to force something. Okay, well, if you're going to do that, then boom, we'll just play tic-tac-toe, boom, pass over here, and then Rudy is just standing under the hoop. He grabs it. Not even an authoritative dunk. He just, like, drops it in, and they win the game, and then Malik Beasley comes over and complains to Rudy, gets all in Rudy's face. I love how Rudy just kept his mouth guarded and just stared down, straight down his nose at Malik Beasley. And I saw these people on Twitter chirping, you know, like, well, Rudy, I don't know, but it's bad sportsmanship. Rewind. To the Jazz Inside Target Center, if you remember at the end of that game, which the Jazz players who used to be Timberwolves literally treated like game seven of an NBA Finals, Vando threw down the most like, and I wasn't mad about it, the most disrespectful, ridiculous dunk at the end of regulation and then let a primal scream out as the Jazz won that game. I didn't hear anyone complaining about that. Totally unnecessary dunk at the whistle in the fourth quarter and a primal scream basically like taunting the Timberwolves. Who cares? And so for Malik Beasley to get mad about just a lay-in, like a drop in the bucket for Rudy Gobert was one of the most hypocritical, dumb things I have ever seen. End rant. 
Tim Rolf's lifestyle podcast. We do talk about things other than hoops. Uh, I one of my I would say this. I pretty much don't respect you if you don't have self awareness, right? Self awareness ties into like if you can't if you can dish it out with the best of them, but you can't take it. Um, that's an issue for me, and we're not going to vibe. I was at that jazz game in in Minnesota back in October. And yeah, it sounded like, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt was in the wild, just scream, like making animal sounds. And it was great because those guys were really pissed off about being traded. Yeah. Right. So no issue with that. Vando finished it with a dunk. It was embarrassing. You know, they walked off the court Um, for them to not real. You said it, not me about Malik. Malik Beasley is not the guy that should be complaining about not following the unwritten rules. Okay. Because you weren't even following the written rules yeah. when it came to the law. So I don't need to tell you to be the guy that's like, oh, the unwritten rules. Also, if you want to get really nit- nitpicky, the night before, or Wednesday before that game, the Wolves played the Pacers. Really good win there, too. Um, the spread <laughs> the spread in that game was four and a half. Uh, the Wolves get a stop. There's a couple seconds left. They're up four. Jaden has the ball. Rudy, because he does, this is one of the things I like about Rudy, he does play Till the end, he plays till the entire whistle. He sprinted down That's the court. Right. He's playing defense. Caught the <laughs> ball. Jaden's like, "Oh shit, I guess okay, whatever." Threw the ball to, to Rudy, and Rudy dunked it kind of at the buzzer to cover. But so that's what he does. He does play until the final whistle. And I thought that was maybe you know, it was a really cool moment post game with Finch because they asked him like, "Hey, what was that about?" And Finch is like, "If you're gonna press us, we're gonna score." And just yeah. kind of a major fu. And it's like that's exactly the mentality. Like. Sometimes these teams pull the dogs off, but if you're going to, they're doubling dudes in the backcourt. So yeah, he swung it to Kyle Anderson. Could Rudy Gobert, by the way, my favorite part of the whole week, maybe of the season, maybe of my 34 years on earth was Grady and Jim Pete were great on the call as always. We're big fans of them. But then I like to go watch the other broadcast and the Utah broadcast is one of the five worst in the league. And the guy's like, you know, Rudy probably should have just held the ball and said, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I was like, okay, buddy, okay, guy. Calm oh, yeah, down. okay, guy. Like, you want him to just like, I don't know, put it in a bow and hand it off to a fan. So, I had no problem with it. And then just for Malik and Vando to have major issue with it, uh, it was a cool moment to see like Jaden stood up for his get for for Rudy and stuff. But just a really stupid moment where it's like, did you not remember that less than a month ago you did the exact same thing? Um, and in general, why are we getting in professional sports the amount of adult athletes that get upset about taunting or oh, if you God, if in baseball it. there's a million of these just if you bunt after the seventh inning of a no hitter then the pitcher gets mad it's like just play the game if there's a blowout you're all professionals i could see in like high school or college it's a bunch of kids okay maybe call the dogs off or whatever but you guys are all getting like what was the collective if you combine well i guess it would be whatever the you know roughly whatever the salary cap is we're literally talking about a group of of men that are making collectively like $300 million on the court that night. Who cares? Your job is to go out and play and entertain and whatever. And like, if, if someone punches you, okay, that's it. Okay. Be offended. But if someone in the flow of a game, whatever the score is, just scores a basket on you or bunts on you or throws a pass play late in the game, that's part of the game. So like, Grow some thick skin, for God's sakes. So we made it. We made a great point. I tweeted out the video. The Jazz did the same thing to the Wolves. Let's also not forget that three or four minutes prior to Rudy dunking the ball at the buzzer, Malik Beasley gave the entire Timberwolves bench a lap dance. 
Yeah, he hit a three right. and then turned the entire bench into deja vu. Like he just started. He shimmied so long, I thought someone was gonna fight him. Yeah. So it's like, buddy, again, like you are not the pope here of fair play and ethics. Like you lost. Like when the wolves, the wolves lost. Vando screamed. They all went to the locker room and they're sad and mad. Whatever. You lost at home. Get off the court. Let Rudy twerk. Whatever he wants to do, and we move forward. Just amazing, dude. Just, just incredible lack of self awareness. And I'm with you too. Like. I don't know, man. We're all going to die at some point. Like, enjoy the good things you do in life. Like, if you get a good win, celebrate it. If you hit a home run, yeah. you know, pimp that thing out, whatever. Um, celebrate in the end zone. Just Light, lighten up. Yeah. We need we're to all, have fun in sports. These are We're sports. all just specks of dust. We're all <laughs> nothing matters. Someone someone hit me up last week <laughs> on Twitter and was like, you know, like what you said doesn't matter or like what you what you do or like your opinion doesn't matter or something. You know, like, well, I mean, how far do you want to take that? <laughs> nothing really matters we're all yeah. just here for like a fleeting amount of time in the history of the universe so malik beasley have some perspective put on a meditation or something let's do a quick round of flagrant or no okay. where we throw out statements and then decide if the statements are a flagrant foul which is like way over the top or if it's not a foul just nothing to see here okay statement number one chris finch is on the hot seat I, I I would say I'm biased, but I would say flagrant. I think that's crazy. Um, I think uh, it's a big month for new ownership. Um, this is supposed to be the month that kind of the next phase of whether it be physical check or kind of an agreement letter that's like, hey, we're going to keep paying for this. We're going to keep taking over. Um, Mark Laurie was really big in pushing for the extensions for Chris Finch and his assistants. Now, it hasn't been great. Um, some of the issues, you know, like last night, the wolves are getting spanked and i'm just i was sitting next to dane i was like do you is he going to use one of these timeouts or is he going to give them to ryan saunders for christmas like what what are we doing here um he's probably had more mix-ups this season in 27 games than he had his first 140 um but to some of these issues like i'll just say what i think i was in the locker room for two nights i don't think chris finch has lost the locker room um when you ask questions and they refer to him still as like finchy and stuff i know that sounds really vague but like i think those guys still ride for chris finch i don't think he's lost the locker room on mm-hmm. uh, to the people who think we well, got to fire the coach because the effort's not there jace frederick had a really good tweet today like uh, about an old greg popovich quote that's like hey man like you don't you know you don't try to amp up the guy that fixes your car right like you don't you don't go psych up the the doctor like you're professional like the energy Either, stuff yeah. some yeah. of the stuff is your responsibility you're professional athletes like you get paid millions of dollars if you're going to come out flat you know, you might be able to put a new coach in there that injects a little energy, but that fades away after a while. Like Chris Finch is one of the best assets they have. I've been more frustrated with him this season than again in the first two combined, but they're going to give him a long rope. They're going to let this experiment play out a little bit. And then this summer, maybe they make a big pivot. Maybe they make a big move again. And then he gets hot on the hot seat. But I don't, I don't really believe at all that he's on the hot seat or that his job's in jeopardy. I'm gonna say it's not a foul. Like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, if you think about this, for, I don't think he's gonna get fired tomorrow. But I think okay. the seats, okay. I think the seats warm because, okay. and I'm with you. I generally think he's done an outstanding job, especially last year, and I think he's, I think he's a really smart guy. And this is just about it's getting things to gel, and it's, it's, a, it's a hard job. They gave him a really, really hard job here, and. 
some players that don't just organically fit together necessarily in today's NBA. And so it's a tough puzzle. But at the end of the day, you got a new ownership group coming in here. Um, these guys did not necessarily pick Finch. Tim Connolly did not necessarily pick Finch. You can't just like overhaul the roster completely at this point. So if things don't go well at some point and there's more apathy or fan angst, something has to change. And I could see him being a scapegoat to a different solution. That's so I, I don't think it's imminent, but I don't think he's just like has a free pass to be the coach for the next two or three years. Um, or if things get really bad for the rest of this year. So the seat, the seat's not sizzling yet, but it's definitely, it's not like Cliff Kingsbury with the Cardinals right now yeah, where yeah. he's literally probably back channeling college football coaching jobs. I don't think we're there, but it's definitely not a cold seat for Chris Finch. No. And, and again, I'm, I've always did my Luke Ridenour take. I don't care if the team has 12 Luke Ridenours if they win 50 games. I don't care who coaches the team. If you told me that it was a guarantee they're going to get better. I guess my, my pushback, not on you, but on general is like, I've seen Chris Finch coach this team and they've done well. I've seen, I've heard what players say behind the scenes about him and it's really good. I haven't seen Tim Connolly build a winner yet, right? Like I haven't seen Rudy Gobert lead the Timberwolves by himself to a playoff run. And I sell that just like, you don't want to cut your nose off or whatever, despite your face. Like I know Finchie's a good one. It might not be working right now, but the last thing I want to do is if the Gobert trade does turn out to be a seismic mistake, that you start compounding that with more mistakes, like giving up a good coach to go, you know, I don't know, find some, you know, let Cliff Kingsbury coach the team. So um, you're, we're probably in the middle, right? Like I think it's a cold seat. I don't think you think it's a hot seat, but there's probably, you know, if you've ever started your car in a January winter, we're probably like a minute into the car start, right? (laughs) Like just like, it's still freezing outside. It's still, your car's half frozen, but um, maybe it's just like slowly starting to cook. Yeah. I got, I got one more for you here. Flagrant or no, Josh Minot is the energizer bunny the Timberwolves need at some point this season. Listen, listen, didn't go super well when I begged and yelled at team employees to let Luca Garza play. Um, so I'm trying to be a little more reserved. Uh, Josh actually got recalled from the Iowa Wolves Monday morning. So he actually was on a plane Monday, got in right before the game, shot around a little bit. He is so damn springy and so he's he's pretty much like our next Jaden McDaniels in terms of size and height and ability and all this stuff. Um, but I also learned last night that in a game where you're down 20 and you just needed a jolt, Finch, that might be one of Finch's flaws, is that he just seems like a guy who is not really gonna trust the super young guys. I'm still shocked Wendell Moore has ever played. Um, and he he gave you good minutes, but I would love to see you just throw. I think good teams do this, Phil. Like I think the Bucks might just throw a rookie out there for six minutes and be like, can you swim with, with the big boys? I wish mm-hmm. Finch would do that. Be like, hey, I have all these injuries. You're not, you can't really get mad at me because I don't have a lot of other options. Let me throw Minot out there. Um, but I don't know if it's going to happen. But still a big Josh Minot fan. Again, you don't do what you do in the G League if you don't have skill. I think he has transferable skill. He can shoot. He can defend. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to come yet. I think um... – I'm going to say it's flagrant. It's flagrant yeah. because it, it is a little early for it. But he's he's the type of dude you you kind of hope that Jaden McDaniels can be more of this guy, like you like you said, where he's just all right. We just you just need someone to fly around out there and go grab twelve rebounds once in a while. If 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 whether Rudy does or doesn't, 
Uh, but it, uh, once everyone kind of comes back healthy too, it's just who are you, are you gonna are you gonna not play uh, Jaden McDaniels? Are you gonna not play um, one of your other wing players like Torian Prince? Is he just gonna sit for? But at some point, Minot is the type of energy that you could really use on this team. But I do think it's just a little he's a little raw and it's a and, little early. And as the president of the Jaden McDaniels fan club, like he was a top high school kid, went to college, fell in the draft. And he has the personality that in an ideal situation you'd want, right? He's like, I'm okay being the fifth option on a team. Yeah. Um, and mostly when you're all at full health and everything's working, that's cool because you're not going to have the ego, you're not going to have the problems. But then, you know, to earlier conversations, like now you need to be better. Josh Minot is the type of guy that might have like the number 41 tattooed on his wrist for how many guys got drafted ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, I remember in Vegas, like he... I'd be like, hey, Josh, what'd you see on this one play? And he would pivot the conversation into being like, there weren't 41 guys better than me in the draft. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, he was a, there were some real smart people. Um, like, like John Hollinger thought, I think he had him as like his eighth best prospect in this draft. Wow. So I think the cool thing about Josh and something that this team lacks is that he has like a chip on his shoulder. I mean, you, you know, for better or worse, you got a lot of guys on this team that were, First overall picks, second overall picks, lottery picks. Josh Minot, and that's like the Jalen Noel thing, the Nas Reed thing. You got these guys that are second rounders that are super pissed off that they're not making $8 million yet, that they weren't drafted 21st. So that is the one component. They have other athletes, they have other shooters, but Josh Minot's the type of guy, he's kind of a dog. He's got that dog in him. Like mm -hmm. he would be, if things don't pick up or they just kind of stay stale, he's the shot in the arm that could just like bring a little swagger to a team that, for the most part, surprisingly, doesn't really have a lot of swagger. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll, he's going to keep tearing up Iowa, and I'm sure at some point he'll get more of more of a look than just garbage time, probably not before the, the first of the year. but uh, He nicknamed we'll himself the lawnmower in Vegas. The lawnmower. He just he gets the job done. He he gets everyone riled up, so unleash the lawnmower. Think That's of all the marketing great, you could do with the lawnmower. That is a great nickname, yes. The lawn, the lawn, I don't even know what it means, but it's like, wow just to nickname yourself after an appliance or like after a tool. You it's know, almost got... like when like Kevin Love became the glass cleaner and then they would send out <laughs> those PR packages yep. with like, like Windex spray and, and stuff. Well, if the Wolves are his... 12 games below 500 come like late March and the snow is thawing, they just have to do a full, like start up the lawnmower. Oh, uh, here like, he comes. You know, yep. Here he comes. Game 72, <laughs> Josh Minot starting small forward. Uh, snow is melting. Time to cut the grass. Uh, that's amazing. All right, well, that's a wrap on this episode of your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant Howls. He's Kyle, and I'm Phil. And you can always hit us up if you've got feedback for the show uh, that we can yes. read on our, our second episode of the week, likely Thursday this week. You can hit us up in the uh, YouTube comment section on Score North YouTube channel. Click subscribe and or the feedback tab in the Score North app, which is a great place you can send emails to us. All right, we'll see you later this week, my friend. See you. That's a wrap, Flagrant House. See you guys.